Well, good morning. I finally figured out, the revelation came to me the other night, and I finally figured out why I caught the, the three red the specks, and uh, Jim caught the last one. Pastor Ben, I want to thank you for uh, the night before we went to go fishing. You just interceded, Lord, just bless this guy before he goes back to Georgia. Open up the way for him to experience even just a small abundance. But I just want to thank you for that self-sacrifice. And you are an amazing man. You know, what greater love than this that a man would lay down his own rod for a friend. So thank you so <laughs> So anyway, with that being said, man, thank you, Living Word, for 17 years of pouring into us. And I want to tell you, Fed family is grateful for what you guys have literally poured into us. And we will never, ever sever that. So thank you so much. Uh, today, this morning, I want to um, preach and teach on anchors of God for dark places. Anchors, anchors of God for dark places. A year ago, there were many people who started out with us with great expectations of incredible things. And here we are a year later. Many of you in here can, can sort of reflect and know that we've lost a lot of loved ones, have gone on, family members, friends, babies. Some of us have lost jobs. And, and so 2019 probably has not been a good year for you. And some of you are still dealing with 2018. But my message today is to encourage you, and I love what Pastor Ben is going to be teaching on on the first Sunday, because my job is to, through the Word of God, going into this new season, because the reason why I call it a dark place is because there's a lot of things about 2020 you don't know. And some people may be leaving out of this year with still a lot of pain from what 2019 has caused. But I want you to understand, as we navigate through this message today, God is still in control. And so today, this morning, I want to talk a little bit about an anchor. Now, every good fisherman knows that it's important when you go out at sea to have an anchor. What is the purpose of an anchor? Okay. An anchor is used once you find that one spot as a fisherman, you want to hold that spot. And we know ultimately every vessel has to deal with wind and current that has the ability to move you from that spot and to keep you adrift. And so, thank you, Pastor Kern, for bringing this anchor. I don't know who it belongs to, but thank you anyway. Whenever you find a spot that you need to be in and want to stay in, you throw this anchor down and it has the ability to fight against the currents and the wind. There are certain things God has said in his word that literally in the year 2020, currents and wind is going to shift. There's going to be a shifting. And this shifting, many of you are going to experience in your own personal life. And the winds are going to shift and blow. And if it's not God blowing and shifting, there are some things you better anchor down into and hold on to in the midst of that shifting, in the midst of those currents, in the midst of turbulent times in your life. You have to hang on and hold on to. And we're going to talk about these are not exclusive. There are others, but I just want to deal with these three. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, it says, For now we see a mirror, in a mirror dimly, But then face to face, now I know in part, 
then I shall know, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. What is the writer saying? Imagine the imagery here if you have a shattered glass and the piece is all over the place and there are certain things in the mirror you're able to see with clarity, but then there are some things you will not be able to see with clarity. And all of us are facing this in the year 2020. There are things that you are believing God for, you're trusting God for. There are things you're believing God to deliver you from. Anyone under the sound of my voice, if you are here and you've never invited the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, today is a good day to do that. If for you to walk out of that church today, this church today, and choose not to, you have already made a choice. Because tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. So many of us are going to navigate into the year 2020. And the reason why it's a dark place is because there there is very little clarity in terms of what's getting ready to happen in your life. And so hopefully in this message today, we want to be able to help you understand some things. Now the latter part of the verse is even. It said, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. What is that part talking about? Talking about? It's talking about the fact that in Christ, in his scripture, God has the ability through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through the word, to bring clarity to the areas of our lives that we cannot see in the natural. Come on, somebody. And it's imperative that we have to make sure we keep our eyes and our nose focused and anchored in the word of God. Well, a great jumping point is to look at a man who was asked to do something because now I've read this scripture and really looked at his life for years and it all makes sense to me now. I think that for the last five months, God has been having my wife and I sat on the front seat of his classroom and he says, I'm about to teach you some things. I told Pastor Ben, I thought I knew what walking by faith was until the last five months. I thought I knew um, what it meant to follow God until the last five months. And, and I'm driving through places where I've never been before. And God just spoke to me. He said, he said, this is what following him, what a lot of people believe following God means. Lord, I'll follow you if you, don't con- if you don't inconvenience me. Lord, I'll follow you if you do what I ask you to do. Lord, I will follow you if where you're taking me makes me feel comfortable and it's not out of my comfort zone. I will follow you if it's familiar and none of that is following God. So my prayer is that when you pray, you better know what you're praying for. (laughs) So what man comes to light when we understand God taking him into a place where it's not known? Obviously, it would be Abram or Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, let's get in it. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you great, a great nation. I will bless you and will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors or curse you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Wow, what a great way to jump off from. Why? Because in the opening part of this verse, it says, now the Lord said. Somebody say, the Lord said. How many of you know when you begin to hear from God and you begin to move in directions that God wants you to move in, that nine times out of ten, people closer to you may not understand what God is saying. 
Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? How many of you know when, you, when God begins to speak and you begin to follow him, that, that, that even sometimes in your moving obedience, it's going to challenge even you and your understanding. God, are you sure this is what you're saying? Because none of this stuff makes sense. Anybody ever been there? If you haven't, hold on. 2020 is almost here. He, God says, look, Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house. What is he saying? He said, Abram, I want to move you from that which makes you comfortable. What are you saying, Pastor Freddie? Every believer should live a life of being uncomfortable or being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Let me see if I can say that again. The life of a believer is to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in Christ. Pastor Ben, I know you had great expectations coming up, man, desire to, Lord, I want to pastor one day, one day. You know, not that you regret that because it is the joy of your life at this point, but now have you, since you've stepped into that office, there have been some days. I'm going to speak for you today. There have been some nights. Lord Jesus. This is what I asked for. But here's the beauty of where God takes you. Though the load gets heavy and the burden becomes heavy, he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you. So what he's asking you to do, Pastor Ben, and everyone who wants to follow God in the year 20, he says to rest in him. If the thing starts to get heavy, you shake it off and give it to him because he's going to carry this load. So the first thing I want you to understand is that we're going to take a look at. If we're going to go into these, these, the new year and not understanding what's going on, we need to anchor in the sovereignty of God's character. We need to anchor in the sovereignty of God's character. What are you saying to me? An anchor is, a, is, a, is, is purpose to keep, to fix against that which will cause you to shift and move. So what do we need to anchor in? We need to anchor in the sovereignty of God's character. What is sovereignty? It is an attribute of God based upon the understanding that God as the creator of heaven and earth has absolute right and full authority over all that has happened, is happening, and will happen in the future in accordance to his divine will. In accordance to his divine will. A year ago, there is no way that someone could have convinced my wife and I we would be where we are, experiencing what we're experiencing and seeing what we're seeing and making connections that we had, we had with people we had no idea would even be connected to. But according to God, who sits high and looks low, he says, I declare some things. And then when you follow him, he says, I will take you to places you never dreamed you'd ever go. Anchor in the sovereignty of God's character. Why do we need to anchor in the sovereignty of God? Because you don't ever want to whatever catch you off guard to catch God off guard. Then both of y'all in trouble. You want to be able to go to a God who says, I understand and know, and I saw this coming way before you. And because I saw it coming, I got some things I need to give to you to, make, to, to help you have peace as to where you are. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we talk about anchoring in the sovereignty of God's character. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country 
and from your kindred into your father's house to a land that I will show you. In Isaiah chapter 46, verse 1 through 10, and this is, this is incredible right here. God reminds Israel that he is the one true God while in captivity in Babylon and all of the false gods that they saw and they came to worship. Now, what was going on here? God was bringing a word of truth, but he was also bringing a rebuke to them because sometimes you can be in attach and be in a pain in a situation for so long you become to identify with it you come to believe certain things about God like number one I've been in this so long so God must not understand God must not be in control the word the word of God must not be true there's no way I'm saved and having to go through all of this and so the children of Israel not only saw the gods of Babylon, but they began to attach themselves to these gods and began to worship. And God brings an incredible revelation to the children of Israel about who he is. And he wants to reveal that to you and I going into the year 2020. And here's what he says. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 1 through 10, it says, Baal bows down, Nebo stoops, their idols are on beast and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down. You carry and bore them burdens and weary beasts. You stoop, you bow down and carry them together. They cannot save you. They, they cannot save the burden that you carry, but themselves go into captivity. Listen to me. Now watch this. O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me before your birth, carried from the wound, even your old age, I am he. And to the gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear you. I will carry you and save you. Notice what he's saying about himself versus the God they've come to worship. I will carry you. I have made you. I will bear. I will carry you and save. To whom will you liken me? And make me equal and compare to me that we may be alike? God is asking the question. Find anything that compares to me. Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales, hire a goldsmith and to make it into gold, and then they fall down and worship what they create. They lift it up on their shoulders. They carry it. They set it in its place and stand there, but it cannot move. I can imagine God says, okay, where, where are these people at? It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer or save from, the, from your trouble. Remember this. Now, the word remember is the same word we want to use for the message today. He say, anchor in this. This is the place I want you to understand. This is the place I want you to stand firm. This is the place I don't want you to move from. Remember this. And stand firm. There it is. Anchor in it. Recall this to mind. As you go into the year 2020, there are some things God says, I want you to remember about me. He says, you transgressors, in this verse, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. It speaks of his sovereignty. He is compared to no one. No one is ever equal to him. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Living word, he says, declaring the end from the beginning. He says, I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times 
things not yet done, saying, "My here it is, my counsel will stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Do you hear what he just said? Why do we need to understand and anchor our lives in the year 2020 with understanding the character that God is sovereign? Simply because when it seems difficult for you, it's not difficult for him. When you are confused about where you are, it, he's not confused about where you are. He says, because what I have declared the end from the beginning, he says, I have you just where I want you. By the way, here's what I want you to understand. Sometimes our pain pushes us in a place in God we never dreamed or ever thought we could be with him. God never sees loss as loss. God sees loss as gain. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, it says, the writer says, I have seen the business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in man's heart. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That is the, isn't that the great struggle? Isn't that the great fear? Tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. The great struggle for each and every one of us, how is this going to work out? Anybody ever ask that question? How is this going to work? God says, I am sovereign. And if you are following me, you don't have to try to figure out how it's going to work. You just need to trust me to work it and obey me when I teach you, when I talk to you. Psalms 85, 86 and 15 says, but you, O Lord, are a God Merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. What is this scripture saying? Why did you attach this scripture to his sovereignty? Because God will never put you somewhere to hurt you. Y'all didn't hear me. If God tells you to go somewhere and put you somewhere, it is his loving mercy, his gracious uh, love for you will comfort you and buffer you while you're in that place. Who understands this greater than Joseph? Here was this kid given an incredible dream about ruling one day, and now he finds himself in a pit. Okay, God, what's up with this? How am I supposed to rule from here? And I remain, if, if he cried out to God, I really believe God remained silent. So he sold into slavery. Okay, what's up with this? God, if I'm following you and you told me I'm going to reign and rule, what's up with the slave thing? Then he gets lied on for a rape that he didn't commit. Then he finds himself in prison. Okay, I'm out. I'm done because none of this makes sense. God, the dream was just I ate too many red beans and crawfish. That wasn't you. Pit, slave, prison. Surely none of this stuff can be God. And yet all of that stuff is God. I don't care what you have gone through in 2019 or what you will face in 2020. I'm telling you now, you need to anchor your life in the sovereignty of God's hand because he knows where he's going to take you. And he knows what's going to perfect you. In the prison. And yet, the prison was a setup for where God was taking him. And what did Joseph learn at the end of all of that pain? When his brothers, he finally reveals himself to his brothers. He tells them, 
what you meant for evil. By the sovereign hand of God, he turned it around for my good. He was navigating even your anger against me. He navigated me to the pit. He navigated me into slavery. He navigated me into the prison. He allowed all of this to bring me here. And Joseph was a man, never asked why me. He said, God, what next? What next? Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God. Watch this. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Watch this. To a thousand generations. Somebody say a thousand generations. So what are we asking you to anchor yourself to? What are we asking you to tie your life to in the year 2020? We're asking you to anchor, tie your life and don't let it come loose. And anchor yourself to the sovereignty of God's character, which means tie yourself and everything you will experience to the understanding that God is in control of everything. God is in control, even the circumstances that seems painful. He's still there. So tie and I'm I'm not even a time. I'm not going to even try. I know you got a good tie, right? I'm not going to even tie. Anchor it. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. Number two, not only did God said, if you're going to survive in 2020, we need to anchor to the, the, the sovereignty of God's character. Number two, anchor in the promises of God. Anchor in the promises of God. What are you saying, Pastor Freddie? Know his call for your life. Can I share something with you very quickly? Sometimes the things that you experience are nothing but a distraction to pull you off course from where God has told told you you needed to be. Sometimes things come in your life as a distraction. And what God is asking for all of us to do is to become refocused. Go back to what he told you from the beginning to do. Revisit what you were called to do from the beginning because some of you have laid that thing aside because you say, because of all of this, this has no connection to what he said he called me to do. And yet, all of it is relevant to the call. All of it is relevant to what he's purposed in you. Every single one, both the highs and lows, work together for good of them that love the Lord and those who are the called according to his purpose. As a believer, we should never sever our pain from the purpose. Because the pain creates the purpose. The pain reveals the purpose. Every athlete understands that in order to build the body, you've got to get under the weight. And the weight tears it down only to build it back. When God sends you through the fire, he never sends you through the fire to burn you, but to perfect you. He turns it up just high enough. Not to consume, but to perfect that concerning you. So what are you saying? If it's the pit, if it's the prison, if it's the slavery, whatever it is, God somehow, even though I don't understand, you are perfecting me even though I can't see it. Genesis chapter 2, chapter 12, verse 2 and 3 says, watch this. Anchoring the promises of God. He wants you to know your call, the call on your life. I will make. You are a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Watch this. I will make. I will bless. I will bless 
I will curse, I will, I will. What is he saying? God says, when I give you the promise, it's not for you to try to figure out. All you need to do is submit to me and I will. Somebody say, I will follow. He don't ask you to take the wheel. He says, matter of fact, don't even get in the front seat. Because sometimes you want to grab the wheel when God starts to take you to places you don't want to go. He said, get in the back. Matter of fact, he said, do like Nate. Go get a Tesla and go get in the trunk. <laughs> in the year 2020, God is asking all of you to take, the hand, take your hands off the wheel of your life and start trusting his sovereign hand for your call. I will. The call of God. God's call is a call to faith and dependency on him. God's call is a call of faith and dependency on him. These five months has probably been one of the most incredible journeys of faith that I've ever taken in my 58 years. Because nothing looked familiar. It would be almost walking into this church with all the lights off and trying to do this. This was following God sometime in. Pastor Ben, when you first took over the church, that's what it felt like. Man, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I do this? And yet, in every case scenario, God says, every time your heart cries to me to try to figure it out, it's already figured out. You just need to trust me. You need to trust me. You need to trust me. You need to trust me. I'm saying it again because somebody need to hear. You need to trust me. You need to trust me. You need to depend on me. It's, look, here's the thing. If you depend on anything other than the scriptures and Christ, you will drift to places you never thought you would ever go, and you will drift so far you never thought you could ever get back. The call of God. God's call is a call to faith and dependency on him. How do we know that? Jeremiah 29, 11, my favorite scripture says, for I know the plans I have for you. Stop right there. Watch this. In the middle of all of this captivity, God brings a word to Jeremiah to the children of Israel who had lost faith because where they were was just hopeless. It was hopeless to them because they couldn't see what God was able to see. Sometimes it's hopeless for you because you can't see what God sees. And there's no way you think you can survive it. But I'm telling you now, if you come to trust God with your soul, you can trust God with everything outside of that. Because now trusting him means you have full authority to shift and change and do whatever you need to do to perfect me. God says, I promise not to leave you the way I found you. Watch this. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. It is his plans, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Whose plan is it? It is his plan. It is his plan. Matthew 8, 18, 1 through 4 says, At the time the disciples came to Jesus, who is the greatest, he asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, and you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles themselves like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? Did he want us to go back? Because Paul says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. No, what was he saying? That little baby you dedicated, or just pray for the day, that baby at that point is totally relying on mom and dad. You will never... Lay that baby down at some point where you move, open the diaper to remove the little blessing that's there. <laughs> and they children will tell you, no, don't touch me. I can do it myself. I want it to stay. <laughs> no, I don't need you to feed me. I'm going to walk to the kitchen and get my own drink. 
You know, the beauty of raising children is that, and you come to understand this, is that you love their total dependence on you. And then they turn 20 like Manny and 25 like Nate and 33 like Dominique. And they're like, see you, Pop. <laughs> what? What you mean, see? No, don't see. You need to come hug me. No. Bye. They leave. And some of you are like, thank God. <laughs> One of the biggest struggles for me, and I don't know about my wife, was my kids not needing me. From kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, they were an integral part of my life, both my wife and I, but more so me because they traveled with me to home a Christian. And even if they didn't need me, I made them need me. <laughs> you need me, boy. Him, Manny came up to me his senior year. Dad, I want a car. For what? I take you everywhere. You're with me all the time. What you need to drive for? You don't need a car. You got me. The craziest thing that ever happened to my wife and I in June. And nine times out of ten, every one of you that are grandparents or older, you get to 50, 60, 70 years old, you get to stand at the door of your, at the, of your, door of your home and you watch your kids drive off and you wave at them and you shed a tear, but it's, you stand at the door and watch them leave. In June, my wife and I hooked up the trailer. We had the house for sale. Nate and Manny were standing at the door on the porch with their video camera and watched their mom and dad drive off. That was the most difficult. I said, I'm not looking back. I said, God, is this what following you means? Because this is hard. They watched us pull off. I'm like, okay, God. I know men ain't supposed to cry, but I'm a big old baby. God, is this what following you mean? That I got to believe my kids? And he said, yes. He said, I love them. And I know you do, but I love them more. And I will protect them and do more for them with you. And I just need you and Nadine to follow me because I will take you to places you've never been before. I said, God, but this hurts. He said, I know. Let's go. Dependency on him. What are you still depending on for yourself and you have not turned over to God? Relinquish what you think you have to control. Relinquish what you think you have to control so that God can place in you and place you and do in you what he wants to do. He said, come as a child. Child never questioned. You guys about to have your what? Seventh child? Eighth child? <laughs> oh, my bad. I'm so, oh, I'm so. Bad preacher. That's not prophetic. That is not prophetic. Look, don't even take that as prophetic. It is a blessing. I look at Pastor Matt. He's holding that young lady right there. Dude, I hate to bust you. There's coming a time when they're going to like, see you. Peace out. Love you, Papa. Peace out. Mama, I know you love them all, gather them all, but there's coming a time where he's going to go get that Tesla. It's going to be a two-seater just for the two of y'all. Y'all going to trade the baby mobile for the Tesla. They're going to leave. I always tease my, my niece, Sarah. Sarah wants to stay with her mama forever. That ain't happening. And she's like, stop it, stop it. I said, it ain't happening. And the grand scheme of things, God has made a deposit on every last one of your children. 
and it's imperative that you teach them to go. First, teach them to go. First, you train them. Then you teach them to go. They can't grow unless they go. They can't not experience God in the way that God wants them to experience him up under your wings and protecting them. Manny learned the greatest life lessons by being on his own. He, and the greatest thing he ever said to me, he called me one day, Dad, it is amazing how much wisdom you have. Sweet. 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 Thank you, Lord. When he said that, I went in my preaching mode. And God, you know, for you have kept him and given him grace. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for my son. You brought him high and you made him look low. But God has been good. Yes, you are. I know y'all was waiting for that one. I was waiting for my organ. Where's that? No, I'm just kidding. They're going to run me out of living way. <laughs> he said dependency. The call of God is dependent on it. Philippians 1, 5 to 6. Let me go on. Because of your partnership, Paul says in the gospel, from the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work, do you hear me? in you will bring it to completion. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody say completion. God never finished things. He don't, he starts. He always complete what he starts. Even if it don't look like it's God, he says, this is all working. What is the application here? What is the application? One, you, need, you and I need to get to know what Christ-likeness is through Scripture. That's how we become, that's how we understand the promise. That's how we become more like him. We need to know what Christ-likeness is through Scripture. Second, everyone needs to engraft every Christ-like character in our lives. We talk about exalting Christ. The purpose is to know what Christ-likeness looks like through Scripture. And graft the Christ-likeness from the Scriptures into our lives. Third, know your spiritual gifts and ministry. And fourth, learn your divine purpose in life. Don't ever walk into the new year thinking that, that, that God is not relevant to you at this point. God will never create a situation in your life where you become irrelevant to him, where he becomes irrelevant to you. So God's call is a call to faith and dependency. B, God's call is costly. Do you hear what I'm saying? Pastor Ben, the call of God on your life has cost you some things. That's not bad. What do you mean by it's costly? There are some things you're going to have to give up in terms of what you want for the sake of the call. You don't get to do what you want and what he wants at the same time because the purpose and the plan for you is so great to waste on what you want from flesh. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. The call of God on your life is too big for you to play around with your flesh. Relinquish it, let it go, and God will show you great things you know not of. So stop playing around with what you think you need to have Turn to God and say, God, give me what I need to have. Learn your divine purpose. The call of God is costly. Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 27 to 29. Jesus challenged the rich man and his wealth to follow him. It's costly. Watch this. And Peter said in, in reply, 
When Jesus talked about the rich man, it's hard for him to get to heaven. And Peter said, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. What then will we have? Watch the response. Jesus said to them, truly, I said to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, everyone, that's including you and I, who has ever left houses or brother or sister or father or mother or children or land, for my sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. You see, I want you to understand, when we pulled out in June, God says, I have so much more for you. Pastor Ben, when you said yes to the leadership of this church, even what you are seeing now, church, listen to me. Even in my time of prayer, God wants me to reveal this to you. Even in your prayer life, even in, in the years to come, God wants to do more than what you can even dream in this house. God says, stop limiting him. There is so much more, and there are places he wants to take you as the leader and those on staff. There are places God wants to take you that it will just blow your mind. But he says, you, I, you've got to take the limit off of me and let me do what I want to do. And you just follow, and I'll take you there. He said, anything you're willing to give up for me, I will give you more in return. And the more is the eternal life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12, verse 22 to 28. Here's the, one of the greatest men in the New Testament. wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. And this man says, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. Hi in the world, but I want you to listen to something about the cost of following God. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offsprings of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am, I'm, I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more, watch this, far more imprisonments with countless, countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods and once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked at night, a night and a day adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my, from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, and often without food and the cold and exposed. And a, apart from other things, there are daily pressures on me, of my anxiety for all the churches. At that point, he said, you know what, God? I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. None of this can't be you. And yet all of it was. Jesus Christ made the greatest investment. He gave up the most for you and for me. He went all the way to the cross of Calvary. He willingly laid his life down. All of the the glory that he enjoyed with the Father, it was not something he needed to hang on to, but he relinquished it for the cause of bringing you and I back to him. Bringing you and I back to him. So what did it cost Jesus Christ? What did it cost him? 
Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what does it say? Let us lay aside every weight and sin and cling so closely. Let us run with endurance and the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, watch this, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It cost him everything to obey God. But look what he got in return. You could never make so many sacrifices for God that he cannot return back to you even greater. And we're not talking about material stuff. I'm talking about a greater peace in the midst of storms. I'm talking about the ability to articulate who God is through your life, living your life at a level that people see and influenced by how you choose to live and then want to come to Christ. That's far greater. And third and finally, what do we need to anchor in? The sufficiency of Christ and his word. We need to anchor in the sufficiency of Christ and his word. Why do you say that, Pastor Freddie? When everything starts going in reverse and you find yourself in a dark place, God said, I want you to remember what I've said. Jesus said, I want you to remember what I've done. Tie the rope unto your faith. Drop the anchor on who I am. He says this. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things are created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and, and that everything he might be preeminent. Somebody say preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, and making peace by the blood of of his cross. The sufficiency of Christ. What is it saying? All your good works could never save you. All your living, trying to live, live holy could never save you. Jesus Christ becomes the only one and is the only one that's able to save. So what did he do? What did God do for us through Christ? He reconciled us to himself according to Romans 5.10. He justified you and I. He declared us not guilty according to Romans 5.18. He canceled your sin debt. No longer are you a slave to sin according to Colossians chapter 2 verse 4 by canceling the record of debt that stood against you and I. He took that away from us so that the legal debt that we're supposed to pay no longer, we were freed from it. Jesus Christ brought us a new covenant. Hebrews 9.15 says, therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant. And so to those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgression committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of one must be made and must be established. So what did he do? He brought us and gave us a new covenant. And finally, what did he do? He promised us an eternal home. In Revelation 21, 1 through 5, 
John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the whole holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And watch this. For every single one of you here, that 2019 has not been so kind. Or even 2018 has not been so kind. And you're still trying to hold on, anchor in this. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write it this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to bow your heads. If you are here this morning and you have never made the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, to lay down tonight and to wake up not having made a choice today it's like playing Russian roulette with your soul Christ is all that you will ever need because he becomes the great sacrifice the great substitute he who knew no sin was made to be sin so we could become the righteousness of God through what he did Dare not to leave out of this church and navigate into the year 2020 not having your soul anchored in the blood of Jesus. Today, if you heard the voice of God and you say, today is that choice, I choose to serve him and surrender my life. I want you to contemplate that and begin to declare today is the choice that I make. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that as we conclude this service, that all of us will anchor our lives in the the sovereignty of your character because you are the sovereign God. Nothing escapes you. And because we can't see it, and you can, we will trust you. Lord, we pray that as we leave this place, that we will anchor our lives in the supremacy supremacy of Jesus Christ and his word. For his word is is his promises. His word is true. His promises are yes and amen. And even when things are in reverse, we can turn to the scriptures and give us hope and give us peace. God, before we leave this place, I pray we will anchor our soul that when everything is passing away and things in this life is failing, may we look to the heavens from the scriptures and see the eternal destination that God has prepared for us. And that gives each and every one of us hope. I pray now for those who have never given you their lives, Father, convict their heart. If today is that day, we ask that, Lord God, they, they will confess their sins before you and ask you to be the Lord of their lives. I pray for Pastor Ben and his staff and their family, that, God, you will take them to a whole new level. We pray for the Living Word family that you will continue allowing this church to be a light and an influence in this community and a greater level. 
But I also pray for every single member that we will continue to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ according to the word of God, that we will pursue God with everything in us. And as we grow to understand, we will mature to a perfect man. We thank you. We ask that you will bless your word. May it prosper in this time and this season. We ask this in the name of God, our Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Freddie, for that word. Why don't you stretch your hands towards Pastor Freddie. Let's bless them and pray for them as they go back to Georgia this next week. God, we, we thank you for Pastor Freddie and Nadine and their family. And God, I just thank you for their faithfulness for many years, God. Faithfulness to your word, to your kingdom, living lives that testify to the truthfulness of the gospel. And God, I just pray that you would continue to multiply your blessings upon the things that you've called them to in Georgia. God, I know that they're living in things right now that they never thought they'd live in. But Lord, there are more good things to come more things that you're going to do through them. And I pray that you would give them multiplied wisdom and insight. I pray that you continue to give them the right connections with the right people. Lord, as long as they have breath in their lungs, God, I know that they will declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and they will speak hope into marriages and into families. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Freddie's faithfulness faithfulness this morning to preach your word. Lord, may we submit to it, submit our lives to your sovereign hand, that you are good, you are faithful, and we can trust you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.